Well, good morning again, everybody. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with you all. It is good to open the word together in this place. And it's good to see you. And so this morning, we're continuing in our series called We Are Anchor of Hope. And it's kind of trying to capture this vision for this new name that we put on the side of our building and really trying to figure out what do we mean when we say Anchor of Hope Church? Is it really different than what our old name used to be? Um, other than literally being a different name, is it different? Is, is who we are different? And I think the answer is yes and no. Um, uh, but I think with the added emphasis of Anchor of Hope, I think we're more clearly articulating to people where our hope lies. It's not just in some anchor, like a literal anchor down on Bay Street, although that thing is formidable, right? Um, no, our, our anchor is Jesus. Uh, it's our faith in Jesus. It's our anchor for life, no matter what comes our way. And so that's, I mean, when we talk about it, that's, that's who we are. And so you can go to the next slide. We've taken a couple of weeks, and we'll, we have a few more on the next, in, uh, after today, um, to explore sort of the heart behind all of this. We talked first about our vision statement being restoring hope in our community one person at a time. Uh, you know, God has called us to partner with him with what he's doing and helping to bring the gospel, to bring that faith with us everywhere we go, uh, that we can share the hope we've found with other people. Um, and uh, the, the state of Oregon is, is a very big place geographically and numerically. Um, you know, the, the region of Lane County is a big, big place. It's, you know, geographically, numerically. And Florence, we have a lot of people in town. I mean, compared to other places, I'm so glad to be in a small town. But, um, you know, uh, I think the last uh, census that was taken revealed that we had about 9,500 people living in town. That's staggering. Um, and yet, so if we're trying to restore hope to Florence, because that's where we live. Really, what we're called to is just to start with one person. Whoever's right with us, wherever God has placed us, that's where we're restoring hope. Next is our, our newly fashioned mission statement, which really, I think, if you were to talk to any of the pastors uh, who have gone before me at any point in time, really the heart of it is it's captured in this phrase, live like Jesus and share his love. Um, I know that that, you know, has taken different iterations over the years, but really our mission as the church is to both be a disciple of Jesus and to make disciples and to share that love that he's given us with other people through the things that we do, through the things we say, how we interact as, uh, as a people. And so then we launched into unpacking some of our values. We created some value statements that are focused around five purposes of the church. 
Uh, the first one, with worship, we're committed to God and His Word. Uh, so we, we teach from the Bible. Uh, we don't just pull this out of thin air. We, <laughs> we are committed to God, and we believe that He's spoken, uh, and He still speaks today, both through His people, but then as an anchor, we look to His Word to make sure that it lines up, that what I'm saying to you, if we were to have a Bible study or something, that it actually lines up with what's inside here. So we're committed to God and His Word. Next, we are connected, and I'm going to look at last week's list just to… <laughs> so we're connected to each other through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so we gather to experience God together. And uh, I know, for me, I felt like I was really driving home a point last week. Um, I think, you know, that's the, the purpose of the church uh, being fellowship, that God has called us to be together, and how important that is for us to be together, um, and so that we need to be connected with each other. So that means actually literally being in person or finding ways to connect with each other, whether that's a phone call, because sometimes, like, uh, there might be some of our number today who have caught the cold that's going around. It's not COVID, but it's, you know, it's whatever bug is going around. And so they're not here this morning. Um, you know, you can connect with somebody by doing a phone call, or it's always nice to see people in person, I think. And so our third value is it, you know, it's the, the piece in the Great Commission of discipleship, uh, we are called. We are called to spiritual growth. And so, as an action associated with that value, we participate in Bible studies, life groups, and other growth opportunities. Our passage today is going to be Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And just as, before I get into the, the main bulk of things, the idea of being called, there's in the church world, there's a lot to be said about this word call. What I mean this morning when I say call, it's kind of like an invitation. Like if I were to call you up on the phone and say, hey, you, we need you here. I want to have this Bible study with you. I know I need to be in the word more. Hey, how about we pray together? Hey, I heard there's a prayer group on Thursday morning. Let's go to that. I don't know. But, you know, click. And then, but, you know, so we can literally call somebody on the phone, but also you could write to people, you can. But where I think God is calling us as believers and as a church is to spiritual growth. And that happens in the process of discipleship. And we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. So there's a, a few key times in life uh, when you know that you've made it to kind of a whole other level of things. I had one of those moments this last week. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with somebody about what was going on in my life because we had the casual conversation. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, how are you? Well, actually, <laughs> I'm in the middle of this house renovation, and uh, it, it's pretty wild. And so this other person they said, oh, wow, that's so worth it, so worth it, and they were, oh, it was amazing. They were so positive in their interaction, um, but then they said the word, oh, it was so, it was both like encouraging and then crippling at the same time. They said, 
yeah, I know when my parents did remodels, it was totally worth it. And this person was like around my age and I thought, oh my gosh, I've made it to this other level where I own a house and I'm having to work on a house and it's supposed to be worth it, but I don't know right now because it's pretty hard. <laughs> and so I, you know, I digress. But it's interesting because, you know, we were called to spiritual growth and there's key moments that, that we that we aspire towards. We want to see these, uh, you know, these, these moments of uh, progress. But often it's hard to get there, right? And often it, there's growing pains that go along with growing to that next level. It's not always easy. And sometimes God uses the circumstances in our lives to grow us to that next level. Um, like like a, a house project that never ends. <laughs> um, and it will be worth it, it's true. And also the things that we participate in, uh, you know, for spiritual growth that we're called to, uh, they can be rough sometimes, but they're worth it. So our passage today, just to give a little bit of context, because we're not doing a full study through the book of Colossians, that's for another time and another place. We're about to read this passage of Scripture, and just to give you an idea of who's writing it, what's going on, what's happening. So, first is that it's the Apostle Paul who's writing this. He was somebody who was called by Jesus. Uh, he actually wasn't among the original 12. Um, he was called later, and he was called to be an apostle of the Gentiles. We'll talk way more about that another time, but that's just a snapshot of who Paul is. Uh, Paul was, because he was called to the Gentiles, he was responsible as a partner with God to spread the gospel to much of the known world at that time through, um, throughout, you know, Asia Minor and, and Greece and all of that. But there came this point in time where Paul, he got arrested, and it was all part of God's plan. Read Acts. It's in there. It's amazing. It was all part of God's plan, but he's, he's in prison. He's awaiting trial uh, to have his audience before Caesar, um, and he's got some time on his hands. And so he decides to write some letters to churches um, as he's going through all of that uh, to encourage them, people that he had personally gone to their local gathering that he probably also helped start, by the way, um, and he was encouraging them because he would get news and word of, uh, of things that were going on in the churches, and uh, some was good, some was not so good. Uh, this is one of the more positive letters, so things were going good, but they were facing some challenges to their faith. And so uh, Paul wrote this while he was in prison. He was in Rome at the time, I believe, and he was writing to uh, the church in a, a city called Colossae in the region of Asia Minor. So think modern-day Turkey. That's where that is. Um, and he, he did this all to encourage them and to strengthen them in their faith and to call them, in essence, to uh, this place of spiritual growth. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. 
uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Uh, you can either follow along in your Bible or you can follow along electronically on the screen as well. All right, so Paul, speaking to the church, says, so we, meaning him and his posse who's in, in, in jail, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Amen. Some things I see uh, in relation to this call and discipleship and spiritual growth, all of that, um, you can go to the first slide. So the life of faith calls for transformation and filling by the Holy Spirit. So Paul begins this by saying, you know, I pray continually for you that the Lord would give you a knowledge of his will, complete knowledge of his will. Where does that come from? It comes from spiritual wisdom and understanding. But where does that come from? That comes from the Holy Spirit leading and guiding a believer through this journey of life through faith. Now, it, it could all stop there, but so when we are, are called to make disciples, sometimes uh, we think um, that it's our job to save people. It's not. Um, our job is to partner with whatever God's doing in that person's life and to disciple them. And so that's in our interactions. Let's say there was a person who, uh, whether from an outside judgment <laughs> or based on just things that you hear in your conversation with them, you think, man, this person may not know the Lord. <laughs> um, and that's a topic for another time. But sometimes, like, you know what I mean. You're, you're in that interaction and and you realize, man, I don't know if this, that doesn't line up. <laughs> That's not so good. But there's something in that conversation where it seems like they're looking for something. Where, like, I, I'll never forget, uh, I was, it was the first time I got my hair cut here in Florence just about a year ago. I went over to the bar, uh, one of the barber shops along, <laughs> along Rhododendron, and I was talking about, you know, hey, I'm, I'm the pastor at the church, or, uh, you know, kind of kitty corner to here, and 
Um, you know, I, I was talking about things that were going on in the church that I just came from because I was really excited about everything that was happening there and, and whatnot. And uh, he gave me this quizzical question of, you know, uh, I think I said, you know, bringing hope to people. It's like, oh, that's great. What does that mean? I'm like, wow, okay. But, but he didn't say it in like, you know, kind of a critical manner. It was more like, more like some people where they're sort of jaded, like maybe they've wanted to feel that hope or be, have that experience, and yet something in life has been lacking. Those are people who, you know, they have that hunger, and they might be trying to fill it with all kinds of things in their life, yet really what they're searching for is the Lord, whether they want to admit it or not. And so finding those people who are oriented to God and building relationships with them, and over time, that orientation, it'll either go one of two ways. Either they'll continue to go deeper in discipleship and uh, with you in, in that relationship, or they'll, they'll diverge and they'll say, no, that's not for me, and, and things will cut off. But for those of us also, so that's one side of things. The other side is for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, who have said, you know, Jesus, I hear this good news of your salvation, that you came, you lived a perfect life, you died in my place, you rose again, brought me this new life, you give this to me for free, I don't have to do anything for it, all I got to do is believe you and put my trust in you, what do we do then? Well, I'm glad you asked. So that, you know, in theological terms, that, you know, accepting that gift of salvation, that gives us what they call justification, uh, which the easy way of thinking about it is it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. There you go. Um, but also, there's this transforming aspect to it where, um, like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, you know, I'm a new creation in Christ, where there's a rebirth that, that takes place, where you're no longer the same person that you used to be. You're now different now that you are in Christ. So transformation and filling by the Holy Spirit. That's what, it, it's not something that I just do. It's something the Holy Spirit does in and through me. And if you've never experienced that, I would encourage you in either your, your quiet time with the Lord, or it could be here, uh, or, or any setting you might find yourself in, have that conversation with God and, and say, God, you know, Pastor Tim, he, he just keeps talking up there on that stage, but, you know, he talks about this transformation and this filling thing. What do I do about that? I've never experienced that. I, I, <laughs> you know, what does that look like? You could ask the Lord, you know, God, would you come and do a mighty work in me? Would you come and change me into whatever you want to change me into, I'm still going to be a human. I'm still going to be, you know, whatever my name is. I'm still going to be me, but it's going to be, I'm going to be made whole and made new because of you. And have that prayer. I would encourage you in that. We're called to spiritual growth. The reason I go into all of that is because I know for my life, and I'm not necessarily a typical person, but in my life, 
uh, I accepted Jesus as a, at a young age. And then it's like I stopped. And I had this big pause for a couple years. And then suddenly things got kick-started again. But then I kind of stopped. And then things got really kick-started again. And it just starts and stops. But God doesn't want just those starts and stops in a person's life. He wants us to be continually growing because how many of you know that's not healthy to just stop growing for that long. Um, that, that means that I'm not flourishing. That means I'm not growing. I'm not progressing to the next place. So you can go to the next slide. So the call, the life of faith, what we have, it calls for maturity and continual growth submitted to the Holy Spirit. So Paul, uh, you know, he, the result of that filling, that that gaining of spiritual wisdom and understanding, knowing God's will, it does something. Let's take a look in verse 10. He says, verse 10, he says, then, so it's a result of, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So, in the Bible and in spiritual conversations, there's always the illustration of the tree <laughs> or some kind of plant, right? And the way you know when a, a plant is maturing, not only is it just growing and maybe it's flourishing and thriving as, you know, as its own thing, but the way you can tell that it's a mature plant, at least that's been my understanding, is when it starts to produce fruit. Because in the fruit, you have seeds, and that seed is a reproductive agent. <clears throat> so, as a believer, not only are we called to spiritually grow, so go, uh, you know, for our own selves, we are called to actually become mature not just leaning on, <clears throat> on, you know, maybe past experiences that we've had, but really be seeking what the Lord has for us today, maturing. And that, that, that place of maturing also means that we're helping produce that in other people too. That's that practice of discipleship. And so as we're continuing to uh, participate in the process of our own discipleship, we're bringing along others to do that as well. You can go to the next slide. So, we're called to spiritual growth, so we participate in stuff. Um, the third thing is the life of faith, it calls for strength and endurance in the power of the Holy Spirit. What I love is in verse 11, it says, uh, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Why, why is endurance so important? Why is it so important? Well, I, I think endurance is important because it... It helps us continue. 
it, it helps us continue on the race. I know um, uh, with endurance, there's always sports analogies in sermons, people. Uh, it's just natural that way, I think. But what I love is, um, so I was a soccer coach this last uh, fall, just a couple weeks ago, and I had a really small team. I had like just barely above uh, the number that is what you're supposed to play at at that level. And so my kids, they had a lot of field time. And there were certain games where they just did not have endurance to keep going with the game. There were certain games where we got creamed. It was bad. I mean, they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring on us. And it was all because my kids were tired. They were weary. They didn't have that stamina to keep going. So in the life of faith, as we, as we walk along this journey, sometimes we're running, sometimes we're walking, sometimes we're stopping, but not for too long and resting, but then we keep going and, and we go on this journey we, we have a need for endurance because there's things that are going to come our way. Whether that's an attack from the enemy um, or maybe it's an attack from inside of us where we're experiencing something and the Lord's still working on our heart, but we're just like fighting and trying to say, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that thing. We need endurance. Um, you know, I've been really forthright about my season recently where uh, we've been uh, learning what it means to be foster parents. And that is, the, I thought I had endurance as a parent. And then that was a whole other level that God is growing me into. And there are some growing pains there. Um, a lot of inner turmoil for my own self where I'm fighting and I'm saying, I don't want to do this. God, why do you have me in this situation? What are you doing here? And yet God wants to build something in us to strengthen us in, for endurance so that we can run uh, the race of faith. Paul uses that imagery elsewhere. And so we need something though. We need strength. We actually need, you know, some kind of energy, I don't want to get weird with all those types of words, but we need a force behind us, something that God gives us so that we need power so that we can make it. Here's an example. Working on my house this week, um, there was this chunk of subfloor that we needed to cut out, and um, we used uh, a good handy-dandy skill saw to try to do that. We had you know, uh, the, the technical skill down where we needed to, like, have it at an angle to, you know, cut down into the floorboard and everything, but my skill saw wasn't powerful enough. Call up my friend Trevor, say, Trevor, I know you're a carpenter. What, what do I need? What can you do? Can you come over after work? Comes over after work. He brings out his skill saw that has like all this power behind it. I don't even know how it, it's so powerful, but it's got power. And I mean, he just, he, he just, he cuts right into it. And he's like, do you want me to do the other sides? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I really do. And 
sometimes in our lives, we are trying to do stuff on our own power that's lacking. And really, we need the Holy Spirit's power in our life to help us to do this thing called life in the Lord. We need his power. I'm not enough. Um, you know, I love that. It's such a cheesy verse, but I love it. From Isaiah, where it says, those who tr put their trust in the Lord will find new strength. Yep. So, it, you know, this life of faith that we are participating in, it calls for strength and endurance. But we don't have to do it on our own. It comes from the Holy Spirit. We're called to spiritual growth, so we participate in Bible studies, life groups, and other growth opportunities. I promise I'm getting to that action point here pretty soon. You can go to the last slide there. So the life of faith calls for God to build this new life in us. God's the one who's going to do it. But here's the thing. He still gives us a choice. We can either choose to participate in it or not. And that's a sobering thing. Because I know from my own life, all those periods where I had a very long pause and I just stopped growing, a lot of it was because I was just a stubborn mule and I was ignoring God. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's other reasons for, you know, a stopping of this. But, you know, there's that verse, I think it's in Ephesians, where it talks about how uh, he who began a good work in you um, will see it to completion. God, he, he did this good work in you through salvation, and he's going to see it through. So God's going to be the one to build this new life in us. We participate. So in in the following verses, just as a summary point, Paul, he, it's this strange transition piece. I think if we were going through the whole book, it would probably make a whole lot more sense. But something I love about this particular section is that, you know, God is the one who rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness. God is the one who brought us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son, you know, there's that contrast, dark and light, all, always present there. God is the one, he's the one who purchased our freedom, and he's the one who forgave us of our sins. Even when we were enemies, Christ died for you, and he died for me. And therefore, as a summary point, because of all of that, God did all that. We can actually experience new life in Christ in the wisdom and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, how do we do it, friends? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we participate in Bible studies, life groups, and other growth opportunities. Let's unpack that for a sec. Why are those so important? Can't I just do this on my own? Y you can to an extent. There, there are certain things of you know, your own personal study where you just get alone with God by opening the Bible through prayer and say, God, would you shine a light on the scriptures for me so I know what you're trying to say? Because sometimes this is confusing. Um, 
the purpose of Bible studies um, is to learn more. Uh, you know that learning to get to know God better, learning the Bible. It's, it becomes more academic, but Bible studies are a really great tool of getting to know the Bible better. Life groups. It goes by many names. Bas basically, it's a group that meets in a home or some kind of place where it's a smaller group than here. <laughs> um, we're a pretty small church, so you could say that we are a small group, but it would be a time that's different than this, this experience, where we get to open the scriptures together, we get to um, also open our lives together, where maybe I, I open up about, yeah, guys, this is what I'm going through. I'm really going through the ringer right now. And um, I'm so glad that God's holding on to me because I don't think I'd make it if, you know, that kind of thing. Or it can be celebrating the high points in life, saying, wow, I can't believe the windfall that just happened where God just, he just provided and all this is good. Those are growth opportunities because they grow our faith. They help encourage our faith where if I can see something that's happening with you, that can encourage me where I'm at, especially if I'm in a low place in that moment. There are other growth opportunities. There's, uh, you know, there's larger gatherings. There's uh, other one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. It doesn't have to be, you know, a Bible study, for example, it doesn't have to be some, you know, formal class environment. It could be, hey, let's go to Old Town Coffee Company because it's more quiet there anyway. Let's go to Old Town Coffee Company. And let's just open the Bible together and see what the Bible says. Um, you know, you could use different tools and things, and we can talk more about that another time. But all of that helps us get to know God better. It also helps us grow together as a church spiritually. But then also it helps us grow in our faith just in general. And that's a good thing. And God is going to, you know, as we participate in the process, God is faithful to meet us where we're drawing near to him. Let's pray.